I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is no stranger to Delaware State of the Arts, Kate Ransom, Violinist and Artistic Director of the Seraphin Ensemble. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Paul. So glad to have you here today. Uh, a lot of exciting news and developments about the Seraphin Ensemble. Let's start, for the sake of our listeners, uh, talking about the Seraphin Ensemble itself, uh, how it's configured, and it has evolved over time. It used to be the Seraphin String Quartet. So let's talk about that evolution and where you are today. Okay, thanks. Um, so Seraphin String Quartet had a wonderful uh, legacy of 20 years almost um, as a string quartet with a fixed formation, obviously two violins, viola, and cello. Um, opportunities such as um, starting a, with a residency at First and Central Church, which we held for several years. Then we were at Lehigh University in residence for several years. And then ultimately for 10 years at uh, the University of Delaware. So that relationship came to a kind of a natural conclusion at the end of last year. And we it was time for things to change. So the ensemble really has evolved to now a roster of a dozen artists. Um, they reside in locations all over the United States. They have international backgrounds. It's a stellar lineup of um, acclaimed artists who make their living and pursue their artistry um, as concerto soloists um, in orchestras. Many of them are concertmasters of orchestras or play in, um, in you know, large ensemble formations. But what brings us together as the Seraphin Ensemble is our love of chamber music. And so the concept has morphed a little bit mm -hmm. from this fixed formation, but it's giving us a lot of freedom to work together bring um, artists of the highest caliber to Delaware and other locations, and to bring together artists who have enjoyed collaborating at festivals around the world, um, in performances together over many decades in some cases. And it's just been a, a delightful change. This is the first full season of Seraphin Ensemble. Hmm. Now, as an ensemble with 12 musicians, how has that expanded the instrumentation of the group. Right. Well, see, that's another um, dimension. And of, hence the repertoire right, of the group. Right. right. So we have string players, of course, mm -hmm. and we do often play string quartets, and we love to do that. We have uh, a couple of pianists on the roster, so we can do the typical um, piano quartets and piano quintets that people love so much and we love to play. But we also have some wind players on uh, on the roster, and we have one singer on the roster, so it gives us a lot of opportunity for really varied programming, and that's actually one of the things I'm enjoying most about it. Mm -hmm. Now, how has this impacted your uh, the repertoire in terms of, of styles of chamber music, composers, uh, periods? Well, the string quartet is really rich repertoire, mm -hmm. and it starts with the era of, of Haydn. So mm -hmm. Haydn and Mozart, the classical era, and comes right up to today. So... It's one of the richest bodies of repertoire for chamber music players. Um, however, we just get more variety to be able to, say, include a flute or a clarinet or do something with voice um, to go to the smaller um, options as well, like piano trio or clarinet, uh, viola, and piano. So it just gives us a lot of, um, I think, different colors, if you will, like um, in one program – 
with that variety of instrumentation, we can give the audience a little bit more uh, colorful experience of timbre and um, combinations of instruments. Mm -hmm. Now, chamber music uh, was originally and and still often performed in smaller, more intimate venues. I'm I'm assuming uh, is is that accurate? And if so, how do you how does your uh, performance history reflect that? Yes, I think chamber music repertoire mm-hmm. is considered the most intimate art form um, in music, and so it's it stems from the composer's most personal expression of their inner workings and their thought process and so forth. Um, so it really touches on, covers, and delves into um, the life of emotion and character, and it's it's very much more inward type of expression and very personal to each composer. Um, so I think it gives us that opportunity, and um, the venues being smaller, go, that goes right along with an intimate experience. So you know, in the day of Mozart, he might be having one of his string quartets played for 20 people in a small room. Um, and it might have been presented actually in a more informal way than the big showy concert stage um, for, say, an orchestral piece. So the whole experience, I think, has roots in a different um, intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so today... Uh, Chamber music, I think, is still best heard in smaller halls, and there are beautiful halls all over the world. And I've had the privilege of playing in a few of the great chamber music halls, whether it's um, what used to be called Carnegie Recital Hall, mm-hmm. um, and, which is now Weill Hall at Carnegie Hall, or the Kleinesaal, the small hall at Concertgebouw. These are just really extraordinary experiences because the acoustics are designed especially for the musicians to sound their best, mm-hmm. maybe better than their best, mm-hmm. and the audience to have that experience of closeness, of up close and really mm-hmm. inside the music. So we love playing in small halls. The Music School of Delaware happens to have about the best small hall for chamber music in the whole state, mm-hmm. um, better than most of the halls or or places we would play even in Philadelphia. Um, it's a beautiful small hall, beautiful acoustics. It's not beautiful to look at right mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. and it's um, desperately in need of renovation, but it's still beloved for its sound, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. by those of us who get to play on the stage there mm-hmm. and the audiences who enjoy listening. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine the experience for each of the musicians within the ensemble is unique. It's, I mean, I, I would imagine the violinist listening to the violist is quite a different experience in the chamber music experience than it would be in the symphonic experience. Oh, absolutely, totally a different thing. We're really having a musical conversation when we play uh, duos, trios, quartets, quintets. Um, the So it's one person on a part, and your voice is very unique in the group, and your mm-hmm. role is unique in the group. And the roles float. So the viola might be um, making the lead statement at some point and everybody else is deferring to the viola. It's not always the first violinist mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of leading the show. Everybody gets a turn to speak their, their musical ideas or the composer's musical ideas, I should say. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, you have just an 
an amazing collection of musicians as part of your ensemble, and I believe a new member, correct? Yes, I'm so, so thrilled and proud of the whole roster. These are phenomenal artists, but ones who uh, just embrace the experience of chamber music playing in the same spirit, and it's just been a thrill. The newest member, yes, just became a roster artist, and he's also our youngest member, um, Jacques-Pierre Milan, a cellist, and we call him JP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and his name sounds very French, but he's actually South African mm. and uh, now residing and making his way in the United States. Okay. And uh, will he be part- participating in some of your upcoming programming? Uh, yes, he will. As a matter of fact, he will be with us for the run that is coming up just in a, in a week or so, Okay, uh, the week of January 13th. So we'll have a concert at the Music School of Delaware on Wednesday, January 15th at 7 p.m. That's a very special program because uh, we're going to also pay tribute to the memory of a, a dearly, dearly treasured um, benefactor of the music school who we lost this fall, mm-hmm. Bill Stegeman, who is beloved by many in the community and was l- truly a change agent, not just for the music school, but for the arts in Delaware. He and did so much for arts organizations and many other organizations, but we'll pay tribute to him. Um, it's the Seraphin Ensemble, which was planned long ago, and we just, the board of our school, the music school of Delaware, decided that would be the best program to pay tribute to Bill Stegeman. So um, we're honored to be part of that. It's an all-Beethoven program because we're also kicking off the Beethoven celebration year. Mm. It's his 250th anniversary of his birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's all Beethoven, but it's also extremely varied. There's a duo uh, for um, a violin. I'm sorry. There's a duo for viola and cello, which is known as the eyeglasses duo. And it's mm. a really fun piece that was that Beethoven wrote for a friend of his to play together with him. Mm. <laughs> um, there's uh, the famous uh, Pathétique Sonata for piano, which will be played by our Steinway artist, Victor Asuncion, who's our roster artist, and he'll be our pianist for the week. There's a violin sonata that um, that Victor Asuncion will play with the wonderful Amos Fayette, who is now Delaware's own and um, is the branch director in Milford for the Music School of Delaware and a phenomenal violinist. And then we will actually have a string quartet to close the program, um, the C minor string quartet, Opus 18, number four. So that's the kind of variety we can get Mm -hmm. with the roster of artists. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to take a look at some more of your programming and also a little bit into the life of of Bill Stegman. But first, let me remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Kate Ranson, the violinist and artistic director of the Seraphin Ensemble. Kate, you you mentioned Bill Stegman and how important he has been uh, to the music school and its history. Uh, I recall attending an event a couple of years ago where uh, you honored him for the support he had provided uh, in your uh, capital uh, facilities work. But I I remember him speaking at that event about how important the music school was and music is to him as a student of, of music as well. Uh, could you talk a little bit about Bill Stegman and his his uh, uh, 
his life as a musician, but also the work that he did as a patron, not only in a patron of the arts himself, but how he encouraged others to be patrons of the arts. Yes, well, Bill Stegman was one of the most extraordinary individuals I've ever had the privilege of knowing. And our relationship started when he signed up for violin lessons at the school, Mm -hmm. and all the rosters were full, so I said, I'll take him. And um, it grew and blossomed into a beautiful friendship. I considered him a great mentor. He was a remarkable person, uh, and, and he was a person who, first and last, led by example. Um, if everybody would just be like Bill Stegeman, the world would be a truly beautiful place. Um, so, I, I mean, getting acquainted with him, you know, proved to be this really uh, deep and wonderful experience for me personally. But then he also embraced the music school. He supported it uh, as if it was part of his family. And that's just sort of his worldview was to what he appreciated he would embrace Mm -hmm. and he would support and he would help in any way he could. Part of that was to, um, you know, share his own treasure. And he was happened to be uh, wealthy enough that that was impactful beyond what most people could do. But he wanted others to participate too. He knew that even though he had the ability to do more than many others could do, he could not do it alone. That organizations like the music school or the arts at Trinity which he supported, or the University of Delaware. All these organizations need a community of people who understand the impact and value the mission and and the services provided to come together with their varying levels of support and make that happen. So he would challenge the board, for example. Um, He would do um, uh, an incentive-based match. He'd say, whatever you guys give, I'm matching it. Hmm. And he said, make it hurt. <laughs> I want this to hurt your wallet. Um, so he really wanted people to also feel a sense of sacrifice, to feel that they were giving, not mm-hmm. just sharing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which to him, there was a, a little line there between uh, giving, sharing, and sacrificing, mm-hmm. which was a deep order level of giving. Mm-hmm. Just a remarkable person, and we miss him terribly. He did uh, do this impactful gift during his lifetime, which was to uh, basically finish the capital campaign to build a new wing uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, at the Wilmington branch of the Music School of Delaware. That was unbelievably impactful. We couldn't have a, uh, we couldn't have a world-class Suzuki Academy or mm-hmm. the, you know, the the um, Delaware Youth Symphony Orchestra, these programs could not function if we didn't have that space. Mm -hmm. Um, So he saw that as a board member. He understood it really well. And he finished off the campaign with three quarters of a million dollars gift at that Mm. time and had the privilege of naming the wing, which he did not name the Stegeman wing. He named it the Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, interesting. Uh That's Bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, that event where where you honored him, and I was very impressed with with his comments that day. And for all of our listeners, a way to celebrate his life is is uh, through your concert coming up at the uh, at the music school on January fifteenth at seven p.m. The All Beethoven concert, correct? Right. Now you you just a few minutes ago referenced Arts at Trinity. I believe you have a concert coming up there as well. We do. We will close that same week on Sunday, the 19th of January, with a four o'clock concert of Seraphine Ensemble on the Arts at Trinity. That's 
Trinity Episcopal Church in downtown Wilmington, their series, which is a wonderful series. Um, that program is completely different, and it will really showcase the wonderful pianist Victor Asuncion, a uh, Filipino pianist who resides and works in America. Um, he is just a stunning artist, and we're going to have the great opportunity to collaborate on the the uh, César Franck Quintet for Piano and, and Strings. So this what we we refer to it as the Franck Quintet, mm-hmm. and um, he only wrote one, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> but it is an, a spectacular work in three movements, and you know requires the a pianist of the ilk of Victor, who is a Steinway artist, and just such a privilege always to collaborate with him. We'll also have on that same program though a, a beautiful trio, piano trio for violin, cello, and piano by Joseph Haydn. And so we're going to basically span from, you know, 1730s to the late 1800s, almost mm-hmm. 1900, uh, with these two works. And we're also going to play a wonderful duo that I've come to know in the last few years by Michael Haydn, who was uh, Joseph Haydn's younger brother. And he was a very, very skilled composer, mm. um, not quite as, uh, let's say, groundbreaking as his uh, older brother, but uh, equally um, eloquent, let's Mm -hmm. just say. Mm -hmm. And I've had a great pleasure playing that duo with violist Luke Fleming, who is another roster artist. And uh, he and I have collaborated here, there, and everywhere (laughs) from Alaska to North Carolina and Florida over a decade, and it's uh, a treat to come back to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, as, as you speak to the variety of, of programming here and musicians, I'm, I'm intrigued with how your, the repertoire uh, has expanded now that you're an ensemble. But I would imagine for you as the artistic director, the logistics of programming <laughs> and getting these musicians together at the same place at the same time must have expanded exponentially. Well, I am adjusting to that logistics <laughs> thing, but um, the programming part is actually a thrill for me to think about who and what and how to combine it. But the um, but it's actually I have to say the logistics have a thrill part to the that, to them as well. So, for example, um, we count on hosts in the community to house the artists mm. while they're here for a mm-hmm. week, and that's a wonderful relationship building experience. Uh, getting to know people in the community and them getting to know the artists mm-hmm. in a way that they can participate beyond coming to listen. Mm. Now I understand too where it's it's in the middle of winter now, but uh, you are already, I'm sure, thinking about your Seraphin Summer Music program. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. We've got a few minutes left here. Oh, great! Um, yes, the summer <clears throat> Seraphin Summer Music 2020 is all set. We have 19 artists coming, so it will include um, most of the roster artists, although one or two who couldn't make the schedule work. And then also some other artists. Um, the festival kicks off on June 5th with a program called Beethoven's Fifth. And it's the fifth violin sonata, the fifth cello sonata, and the fifth symphony, which Beethoven uh, uh, transcribed for four hands at one piano. And uh, that weekend, we'll have three concerts to open. The second night on Saturday, the sixth, will be uh, all Gershwin. Gershwin by George. Hmm. And then that Sunday, uh, we will do a program called Songs of Norway. And that 
reflects the artists who are coming that week weekend that include the brother and sister Norwegian stars, David and Julie Kusheron. They're phenomenal violinist and pianist team. And I'm so, so delighted to bring them to Delaware. So it's going to be a very exciting kickoff. We have two more weeks after that. Week two includes our Win Players, uh, a program called Winds of Time, and a program called Lovers, Friends, and Mentors. And then the final week, we'll have two concerts, String Splendor and Finale Fireworks. Mm-hmm. And before we totally run out of time, how can people find more information out about the Seraphin Ensemble? Well, Seraphin Ensemble, the best way is just go to our website, which is Seraphin, S-E-R-A-F-I-N, Ensemble.org. Um, and there's, you know, everything is up there with the programming for the rest of the season, uh, March and April, and also for the Summer Festival. You can also, of course, go to the Music School of Delaware website or the Arts at Trinity website and hopefully find information there. And I see that in addition to the Music School and Arts at Trinity, you will be performing in the spring at the University of Delaware. Is that correct? And uh, I believe downstate at the uh, Music School's Milford branch? Yes, I'm excited about those programs um, because it brings forward um, some of our roster artists who are on the UD faculty, Eileen mm-hmm. Grisky, the flutist, mm-hmm. and uh, John David Smith, the horn, also uh, an alum. Uh, Gus Mercante, who is one mm-hmm. of our roster artists. He's an alum of the University of Delaware. So that's beautiful programs. And also the first time that well, it's going to be a Delaware premiere for sure of Lowell Lieberman's horn trio, violin, mm. horn, and piano, which is a, just exquisite piece. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful combination. Well, uh, Kate Ransom, I'm so thrilled to have you here today to talk about the Seraphin Ensemble just some really exciting programming coming up, uh, the growth and expansion of your organization in artistry and and a geographic reach has really been very impressive. Uh, again, you've been listening to Kate Ransom, the artistic director and violinist of the Seraphin Ensemble. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Paul.